Have you watched Succession? I have now. I've watched the whole thing. You know which one you are, right? Which one am I? I, th- I think you have to guess. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> There's only one of them that raps. Yeah, it's Kendall. I know any raps. I know when that happened, I was like, that's why I've had a little shit I was like watching that guy go, oh my God, it's Andy. <laughs> All right, what are we doing? Should we get on with this? Should we put the headphones on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host, Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. Hello, Pippa. And today we are joined by Kevin Tang. Kevin is the founder of KT, K-A-Y-T-E-A, an artisan tea and organic cold brew iced tea. Served in a can. Well done. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, so I think we like to start with a simple question. What's what's keeping Kevin up with your business or in any sense, what's going on in your world? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the food and beverage industry, you know, it is a very, very challenging time as you can imagine. So right now, um, fundraising and kind of supply chain has been kind of on my mind on a daily basis and um, not something that I want to deal with on regularly, but it is something that I have to kind of just step in. Have you raised before? I have, yes. Yeah, yeah. we're pre-seed around. This is our formal raise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a full-time job fundraising. Is it, How many people run the business with you? So it's just me and five other contractors. Uh, actually, six today. I just hired someone, a new, new person in today. Uh, so quite a small team and uh, we're very flexible. Everyone works remotely. But it's been kind of a pretty interesting journey so far. But fundraising is a bit like, you know, painting the fourth bridge or whatever. Every time you get to the end of a round, you have to start on your next round. Well, yeah, I, I'm really cash. Um, we're, we're kind of a cash neutral business at this moment. So not necessarily, we don't have as have of a burn rate as some other businesses, which is what I love about um, the way we set it up. But absolutely right. Like, I mean, we've been, we've been kind of already... St- we're about to close the next round, but we're already starting speaking to serious A investors. So. Yeah, yeah. I've got a client at the moment who just won't close his round because he keeps getting new new money in. I'm like, just stop it. Stop talking to people. We've got to issue some shares. I hear the best time to ask for money too is the day you yeah. close the round. The best time is like, you know, when they're like, yeah, let's talk, you know? So yeah. it's like, uh, he, should, he should close and then ask for more money, basically. Well, we're on the third close of this particular round. Oh, wow. Third close, wow. <laughs> It's incredibly tricky out there for uh, certainly small, you know, the good days are over. What was the, th- I was told this on Monday that something that would get a 40x valuation would be lucky to get a 7x valuation now. What would get a 40x valuation? Well, that was, they even. were saying that was part of their point that we had got to some insanity level yeah. of 40x, you know, that's of EBITDA. That's going to revenue, that's, that's, a bit, that's a bit insane. <laughs> yeah, that would be insanity, wouldn't it? But, you know, I think, I think you know, you could argue things that are, are much more down on the ground, as it were. But within your sector of sort of raising money, do you look internationally or is this very much banging doors in the UK or...? Yeah, originally in the UK, but actually um, now we're looking at a bit more broader. Um, so I think there's a quite a lot of interest in continental Europe, which is, I found interesting, um, inbound interest actually, family offices and um, corporate venture capital. Yeah. And also we've been kind of, um, uh, has some interest from Asia as well, uh, which is really interesting. Surprisingly, not in the US. I think just because there's such a different market and they don't really see our market in, in Europe and Asia as attractive as the US. And uh, from your point of view, have you hired corporate finance to do it? You do it on your own, on your own, or yeah? I mean, I have a little bit of background in corporate finance, not like anything major, but uh, so I've been kind of just doing that on my own, really. So when you say you got a background in corporate finance, you what did you do? Or uh, I worked in leverage finance and like syndication for for a long time. So I used to do a lot of private equity buyouts, um, supporting kind of like the uh, the debt side of things, high high yield bonds and uh, syndicated loans. 
And where where are your roots? Where are you from? It doesn't sound like you're originally from London, was it? Or no, no, no. I'm Chi- I'm Chinese Canadian actually. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I lived two at two de- C's, the double C. Yeah, yeah. Well, I seem to be um, almost. I'm yeah. I've been here for ten years, so I've been. I lived uh, about a decade in each country, so in three countries. And and of course, this is the best one that you've. Uh, of checked. course, uh, no, of course. <laughs> no, but uh, 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 which which order was that? Was it was it China first, then Canada? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you launched this product in Canada? Not yet, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, oh you're yeah. about to. Uh. <laughs> but I think people see Canada as as really part of the US market to an extent. Like it's like if we're going to go across the pond, let's do it all. Yeah, actually, what well, I mean, I, when I lived in Canada, I never actually worked in Canada, but I used to go to a lot of these events, and people would say Canada is our testing ground. So when when people launch an app, they will launch launch in the like, Canadian app store and test it out and make sure all the mistakes are fixed before they launch in the US. Is that just because the Canadians are nicer about it if it's if it doesn't work? Well, it's hard to get information out of them. Yeah. I mean, they don't say a lot publicly. The Canadians, you know. So you know. So at the moment, you've launched this drinks company, and what? Why? I mean, you know, where's that from? Y T for a start. Yeah, I mean, Whitey also a very good rapper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a white ragger rapper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually just grew up drinking tea my whole life. Uh, as you can imagine, it's a huge culture, huge, huge culture in both countries, in China and yeah. North America, right? No, oh, I'm not whoa, whoa, sure whoa, about whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry, the worst tea in Fucking the world North is America in America. doesn't know anything about tea. Order, order. The honourable gentleman has got to learn the art of patience. Sorry, sorry, iced tea. Iced tea. Iced tea. There you okay. go, there okay. you go. Okay. Donuts, Fine. Donuts. Can you get a good hot cup of tea in Canada? You must be able to, can you? Yeah. Uh, or do yeah. they bring you the tea bags with the hot or do water? They ha- and do they only have Lipton yellow label? Oh, scum. We do have that, actually. Um, well, they do have I live here now. They do have that. Um, so No PG tips. Yeah, actually, funny enough, there's a, there's a drink in Canada and, and the US called London Fog. It's, ba- it's basically Earl Grey latte <laughs> with vanilla. And I always thought that was a... Wrong, in, on so many levels. <laughs> Absolutely every level. There is no way anyone should drink that. It's it's actually a drink that it's, it's so popular that it's in like Starbucks. It's kind of like having like oh, an okay. Earl Grey, basically. And when I moved here, I was looking for Earl Grey everywhere. I'm like, where is it? And it turned out it's actually from, it originated from Vancouver, Canada. It's because it's evil. We don't have it in the UK. <laughs> Wow. I mean, obviously, we can't knock China and its tea heritage. I mean, I've never quite, I can't remember if tea started in India or China. India, Is it India? Yeah. Really? No, wait, wait, are you are you sure? I think it might be China. <laughs> well, you should but know. I, I think it's China, Tell but us. I, I don't Is know. It China? I think it's China, yeah, yeah. Are we talking green tea or black tea? Um, well, okay, well, tea as, I mean, a concept. Past concept, yeah. Taking leaves off a plant and a camellia plant and sticking it in hot water. In the hot, yeah, exactly. I think China may have invented it, but the soil in China, I know, is is quite it quite fucked up from over agriculture of five thousand years. So I think you know India is probably the one with the tea these days. You know, it probably grows more. I don't know. We're absolutely making this. Yeah, we are making it. We don't I even feel know. like I feel like Kevin should know. Yeah, do you know? I, I I do think China. I think started tea as a concept, right? I think it slowly over trade, especially from Silk Road, a lot of other kind of markets also got it. Uh, I think I think Portugal was the first European country that actually, which would have been probably maybe through either Japan or the Silk Road, or you know, it would one of probably the two. be coming round by sea if it's Portugal, wouldn't it? Well, Portugal was just miles ahead, uh, uh, getting out there with their their boats. You've been listening to the rest Don't of this. Don't blow my, my knowledge base. <laughs> I'm on episode two hundred and fifty-five <laughs> now. No, but that was fascinating. That basically Portugal invented the whole thing that you know Britain went and did as as many other countries do. Of kind of like, in fact, Portugal's was more similar to Britain because it was about trade. They were similar to Brits. It's a good episode. I will give you that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So very good. What's the, what's the aspiration? I mean, you know, how big do you think iced tea can get in the UK? I mean, do you know the stats? Is it growing? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, sorry, a little bit of background why I started. I, I grew up drinking this stuff, and when I moved to the UK, I lived in London, Edinburgh, and realized you know the tea culture is there. But for some reason, iced tea is just considered tea that's gone cold. It's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really shocked. And then, um, and then even then, you know, in the last 10 years, I think coffee has kind of taken over as well. And then I just started, you know, bringing my own blends. And um, I was doing this for fun, you know, during uni and when I was at work. And then people kept, kept asking me, oh, what are you doing? And they've actually decided to, you know, switch out some of the, um, I guess, beers and stuff that they're drinking at these, like, you know, Christmas dues with our teas. Of our my my own teas, and then that's where I realized, wow, there's a market for it. It's just that nobody's kind of catering uh, towards those demands. Yep. And then um, so yeah, I decided to do something about it. I kind of was I was in my corporate job. I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I was like, I wanted to start my own business, and kind of the light bulb moment happened there. And did some desktop research in the beginning, and I realized that actually I was in the British Library. I remember looking at all these like data and stuff like that the IC market has been growing at fifteen percent CAGR or compounded annual growth rate in the last mm. five years. It's crazy. Well, it had a low starting point, though. To it had a fair. really low starting point. I saw the, saw the iced coffee to some extent, right? There's now three people in the UK <laughs> drinking iced tea once a year. So it's a growing market. You're in the British Library, and you think... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, at the time, it was like 2020, when I was looking right before COVID. That was when I was like doing all the research. It was a really brave thing to do, though. <laughs> and it was right before. I didn't. I mean, it was still January. I think we were still hearing about what's happening over, like you know, um, in different parts of the world. And I was like, oh, let's do this. And then um, just from a desktop research, it looks like it's you know promising. And it's 120 million market at that point. 500 million, 600 million euros in uh, France and G- Germany, respectively. And you know, it's it's catching up. So. Thought, why not? So, who's the biggest iced tea drinkers in? Um, oh my god! And it's a rapper. I hadn't even realised. Got two rappers on the show already in Europe. Which countries are really into it in Europe? Do you know? Germany. Germany loves it. Yeah. They? Okay. Yeah. Number one, Germany has the biggest iced tea market in Europe. In Europe, plus yeah. the UK, plus the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. There's so many cultures that are so obsessed with coffee that tea doesn't even get a, a shout in. Let's just consider the terror of France and trying to get a decent cup of tea. Oh, Jesus. So, I mean, you could just stop after, consider the terror of France, full stop. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't, you know, I, I, I mean, don't what was the conversation canceled. this morning? Someone got fired because they, they moved to France and I was like, fair play. I think that's, <laughs> totally, that's totally reasonable behaviour. If they moved anywhere else, I would have a problem with it. But, you know, to go there, just not on. And and do you you know do you feel in 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 what you're doing at the moment you're sort of getting to where you need to be or you know where can I buy it at the moment is it is it in the supermarkets or yeah so we're in over hundred Sainsbury's um there's one around the corner I believe a few MNS uh, W Space airports Zap the rapid delivery platform Aba and Co and a few thousand uh, independent stores across the country uh, we're also available in a few markets like uh, Waitrose in the UAE uh, Hong Kong. And uh, GCC countries as well. Have you found? I mean, the, the the whole buying market in the UK is rather famous because we because we don't have logistical issues like America or Australia. So there's a, you know a few big players of supermarkets because you sort of you can you can it's all about your ability to be efficient and you know carry something across a huge continent here. If you've got you know a van and Barry, you can get anything around the country. So there's high competitiveness between the supermarkets and stuff, and the buyers are therefore pretty pretty tough to deal with. If you found them pretty tough, or hundred percent, yeah. So this is one of the toughest things to deal with uh, in a 
I guess, like a B2B procurement. They don't smile a lot, do they? Miserable bastards. I don't know whether they still do it, but Bread and Jam used to do a thing with this really cool guy who had loads of tattoos. That's all I really remember about him, which was just taking people through the different supermarkets and explaining to them the best way to approach them and what their idiosyncrasies were in terms of getting in front of the buyers. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think there's a push and pull approach, right? So there is the one way where you can just keep knocking the doors and just kind of like try to reach the buyer at the right time and things like that. And then there's also building a brand where they actually want your products. Building something that where, you know, it gets kind of brand awareness, celebrity status at some point, you know, uh, get go viral on TikTok, then they will come knocking on your doors, right? So there's two ways to kind of go at it. When Giles Brook was doing um, Bear Nibbles, yeah. When they were first trying to get in supermarkets, I seem to remember that they dressed up in um, bear costumes. Did you dress up as a koala? Uh, no, 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 no. Why, I, uh, you like koalas? <laughs> KT apparently is koala tea. Again, British people are going like, oh, it's an Australian tea company, is it? You Run know? by a Chinese Canadian. Yep. Run by a Chinese Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get that a lot, actually. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. But, you know, it was something that actually came out quite a lot. So maybe... At one point, yeah. And it was just, you just wanted to attach a sort of physical item to it sort of thing, or sorry, a, a, you know, cuddly, furry, cute kind of, that's it. that that was a branding decision that you came up with or? Uh, well, well, actually it was supposed to be called quality just because it was fun to, you know, because it's the pun. And then we realized I couldn't get the trademark. Wait, what's the pun? Quality. 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 Very good. <laughs> sorry, I would have never got that. <laughs> In your own time. I'm quite pleased to see that this packaging isn't talking to me like it's alive for once, because I think that's almost gone that's almost gone too far, isn't it? Hello, I'm a koala. You know, I'm crazy. I or think whatever. the phrase is jump the shark, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. What's that mean? It's jump the shark means it's it's gone into the realms of not being Entertaining are you, con- are you considering shit? making this more entertaining? You know, keeping me busy while I'm drinking my tea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in the process of a brand refresh. And, uh, are you? Yeah, yeah. After the fundraise, where it's already in motion, actually. So, um, exciting things. What about alcohol and like you know you've got caffeine in this? Mm-hmm. He basically wants you to add. No, no. Rum. You know, Red Bull have made a lot of money out of selling Red Bull and alcohol. You yeah. know, you, this would make a good mixer or not. Yeah, I mean, not intentionally, but we do get a lot of customers saying our, spark, our only sparkling range, sparkling rosé, um, that is a good mixer of gin. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Who, who am I to argue? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I personally prefer it as a non-alcoholic alternative, but I think a lot of people do enjoy it with uh, alcohol, so yeah. yeah. I assume you're manufacturing it all in the UK, are you? Yeah, yeah. And you buy your tea on the tea market or something or yeah I mean the teas come from all the world it's um, a tea market I don't know I don't know where you get your tea from do you ring up Lipton and say hey Sainsbury's I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we're actually organic and fair trade so we get our teas from uh, organic certified and fair trade uh, supply chain so um, without going too much details essentially they come from all over the world did you have to kind of research that quite a lot it sounds like a good excuse for traveling all over the world is what I'm saying. Well, well actually, yeah, before I started, I, I did travel. I mean, I used to travel for fun. And then while I was trying to start the business, I was kind of just going all over, all over the world, like mostly Asia and North America to try out what they have. So I used to go up and down Manhattan. Just I bought like 40 different types of iced teas. Wow. Because uh, I didn't want to buy a case of them on Amazon, right? So I wanted to, buy one to try it and see what it's like. And did like a little bit of uh, market research and like uh, just kind of like a flavor profile research and just to see. And then when I was in Asia uh, and as well, like I just like went everywhere to see what's out there, both kind of in coffee shops, but also in, uh, well, not tea shops, coffee shops, mm. but also in, in the supermarket. So that was 
probably the most fun part of the the, the journey. <laughs> there's only a limited amount of shelf space, isn't there? And there's sort of more and more variations of what you can have. And then you've obviously got the fridges that Coca-Cola own because, you know, the Coca-Cola fridges in all the corner shops, I mean, I buy the Coca-Cola, some people buy Fanta, but I mean, there's a lot of shit in that fridge that I don't think people are really buying because they make a lot of really like whatever products, you know, you're always fighting for this same space and there's so many novel new drinks. This is a problem, I assume. We're essentially fighting for the same shelf space. Everyone is. Well, they have their own shelves. They say, I'll bring a fridge, don't they? To the corner shop. They say, I'll provide the fridge and I'll keep it full. In some some geography and some markets, yes. Not in like a Sainsbury's. Right, yes. Not in Sainsbury's, in corner shops, I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other supermarkets are available. We seem to have really hammered on the Sainsbury's. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, like they literally provide the fridge and I think up to a certain percentage of the drink has to be from Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the US, they have their own fridge where like 100% of the drinks are from Coca-Cola. So you started this in 2020? Yeah. Did lockdown help hinder? It absolutely hindered, yeah, actually. So, I mean, I actually went back to Canada during first lockdown. So I basically couldn't relaunch it, but managed to just kind of like do some testings here and there. Uh, Launched a fake website just to see what people think. And, you know, people were actually clicking on the website, which was great. And then I think Taurus, almost like Q4, so like October uh, 2020, we started like launching the products. And then... uh, it was all DTC, which is great. I mean, the DTC direct consumer, direct consumer online. Uh, it was really cheap to advertise, very effective advertising at the time. Everybody was Google ads, stuff. Uh, Facebook ads, Facebook, Instagram ads. Nobody had anything else to do but sit on Facebook. So you know, yeah, honestly, thought I was like, this is way too easy. Did you have, did you have someone in a koala suit beating up someone? That would have been that would have been quite effective. So I just for some reason feel <laughs> on Instagram there should be a oh, yeah yeah. What was your advert? What was your hook? Get iced tea from here. Honestly, it was just whatever, like, I, so long ago, but I think it was just like, try something new, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then um, it, it was so easy. I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire in like two weeks. <laughs> no, but then uh, and then, and then all this macroeconomic stuff happened. And then, you know, the, the cost of acquisition became higher. You know, it was really expensive to advertise. They removed the cookies for Google. So all these things happened. So you're in Canada with a website drinks selling, selling in the UK. UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I came back after lockdown one, but, you know, I did actually technically launch it when I was in Canada, so... And, and what's your biggest sort of problem now? Or what's your biggest challenge? Yeah, I think it's between fundraising and distribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think fundraising is, is an incredibly tough market. Knock on wood that we know what will close next month, but it has gotten much harder. It was way easier to raise our pre-seed round than it is to raise when we're actually got a lot more traction and revenue yeah. generating, right? Yeah. Would you do crowdfunding with a product like this? Um, it, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Piffa. Have, a, have another sip. It'll take the edge off. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think our our products would definitely work for crowdfunding, but it just personally, I'm not a big fan because I'm I've invested like forty or fifty crowdfunding yeah, projects. That's ten pounds here and there, right? That's interesting seeing it from the other side. Yeah, and it's really annoying. Some people are really, really like, what's annoying? The emails, the, the random emails, the really, really uh, in, intrusive questions. So I see them on the chats and stuff and the, in the discussions yeah. and stuff like that. And then like, you own 0.000001% of fuck all's a fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm talking to people about crowdfunding, I do bring that up because I've had clients in the past who've had one asshole of an investor Ugh. who's got 0.001% but is on all the forums creating trouble and complaining about them. And it's a Fucking pain in the ass. Empty vessels make the most noise. There are actually real trolls on there as well. They're like professional trolls. They like they would just do it for fun because they, they had nothing else to do. 
Well, it's the power of being a shareholder, isn't it? I mean, actually, we don't use it enough in the right way. Like, maybe we should all be buying shares of Thames Water and turning up and tipping sewage over everyone, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's, you know but, you know, also, as a competitor of a company, you can buy, like, £10 of shares and then really wind them up. And what's been your biggest fuck-up so far other than being in Canada launching a business in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a fuck-up? Is that, I don't think that's a fuck-up. I think, I, I think, I think a... It's, it's a form of... Uh, Treason. Treason. Treasonous. <laughs> Imagine three countries want to hunt you down by now. No, I mean, it's lovely, the international world, in terms of sort of, you know, and, and I think London's, London, thankfully, is a city that you don't get charged by anyone other than me. But. Oh, this is so time-consuming. Spit it out. Come on. But what, what, you know, what, yeah, what would you, what would you look back on and think, oh, bollocks, it doesn't have to be with the tea company. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's two that I can think of on top of my head. One is, obviously, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, we, we wanted to be all natural and all that stuff. And then, you know, think all of the suppliers were like, oh yeah, you can t- totally do that. And then our first iteration, there was like within two days, there were moles growing in it's our glass It's good for bottles. you, like penicillin. I mean, <laughs> you know, you just turn it into a selling point. Does a drink normally have a preservative in it? I mean, most of them are what, sealed, nitrogen? Yeah, they, they, like, um, so if you don't pasteurize the products and, you know, as a cold brew tea company, you know, we try to keep it as natural as possible, right? And then, the manufacturers, oh, it's totally fine. Pasteurization is you basically zap it really hard and kill everything in it. Just heat, most, heat for the most part. Yeah, yeah, kill, yeah. It, kill everything in it, then seal it. It's like how they came up with can that someone noticed if you heated something in a can, it would last for ages. That's pasteurization. Yeah. And then and then lemon is a natural preservative. So orange juice and lemon juice, acidi- uh, it's acidity. It's acidity that helps, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you, you, you mentioned you've come up with something a little bit novel to do. It's neither of those. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's not acidic, so the pH was a bit too high because we want to keep the acidity low for cold brew. It's supposed to be like really smooth, right? Yeah. Kind of like cold brew coffee. And uh, <laughs> so that didn't work. And uh, when, we, when I got the glass, was in glass bottles at that time. And when we got the drinks back in day two, like it was, stuff started growing. And then I was actually, we didn't really sell it. Was, I was giving away to like, you know, local corner shops at the time. Just be like, like try it. See, we see if it sells. And then I just bought all the stuff back immediately because I was like, I do not want to get a lawsuit at this moment. <laughs> they were like, it is sold very yeah. well. <laughs> Some bloke came in, he looked a bit like you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think one of my mentors told me, you know, you got to have an end goal. You got to have an ambition, know where you want to be. But it's okay to deviate from that from time to time. Shit happens, right? But always keep your eye on the the go. So that, that, that was really interesting because sometimes I feel like I'm always working in the business rather than kind of like, on the, is that correct? We're going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have it written on a sort of post-it on your wall? Kind of, it's 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 almost like um, a lot of those. The picture like, of most, a kitten and a sunrise. The, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Most, most productive people in the world, I always see. They say make lists. Yeah, and you know, don't let your inbox rule you. You know, write write the three things you have to get done and the one thing that you'd love to get done one day or something like that, you know? Absolutely. And the, the mentor actually went went on a bit more in detail, uh, but basically he was saying like. You can have like short to medium goals, but you got to have a kind of a five-year goal and also a way longer goal, right? So your your immediate goals are almost like stuff that you just need to get done to get to your KPIs almost. But then you also need like kind of more life goals and kind of mission-driven goals where you want to be. And once once that's very clear, it's all about how you how to come up with a plan and then just execute basically and review that very very periodically and to make sure that you're on the right track. So that I thought that was really interesting because. Sometimes I'm just going, I'm just executing all the time, but I don't think of the bigger picture. Are you from a big family or? I'm the only child. Only child. Mm. Yeah. A bit of pressure there. (laughs) 
What's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I haven't had that many, to be honest. I mean, I'm I'm quite critical of what what I take in, and I think most of them have been quite quite useful. And but some of the stuff, you know, like the, the typical marketing playbook, right? The typical yeah. marketing guru that comes in and tells you how you do things. And I'm like, every every company is different. There's no like one way or a set there way to do things. There are very very few people in this world who I think are actually brilliant marketeers, and yeah. most of them are incredibly wealthy, like Richard Branson or Charles Dunstan, friend of the firm. You know, he said to my dad one day, he built Carphone Warehouse, and he said, "Lovely man," and he said, "Oh, Richard, I'm just you know, that's my dad's name. You know, I just." I'm just quite good at working out how to package something for someone. That's what I'm good at. If you give it to me, I'll work out how we package it to sell it, you know? And at that time was when, do you remember they were giving away laptops if you got free Wi-Fi? No, if you join up their Wi-Fi for £20 a month, you got a free laptop. What? That was the Carphone okay. Warehouse deal. He was always very clever, you know? It was like they'd worked out that they were definitely going to make more money and they could give everyone a laptop. And it was like, fuck it, that one. Yeah. But I think the, it's very rare that, you know, these real marketing geniuses tend to be some of the most successful people, you know? I mean, don't you feel? And you're, you're would be the best marketing genius for your own company because you're going to be thinking about it all the time, you know? Which means that after a while, you're going to have great ideas, you know? Well, hopefully, yeah. I think marketing is definitely not my forte, actually. I'm more of a kind of all commercial and kind of like um, more commercial person. But um, that's someone, it's definitely kind of an area that I need to uh, seek expertise from. I think I think you've got it well measured. I mean, I, I was taught years ago, you know, you've gone in the shop and you want to buy some iced tea. Let's say you want to buy iced tea and then you see this. I think the straw on the kangaroo is great for some reason. It's a koala, but apart koala. from that, it's fine. What did I say? Kangaroo. 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 You mentioned earlier something your mentor had told you. So you clearly have mentors that are giving you advice. Yeah. Is that something you would recommend? Absolutely. I speak to, I, I mean, I, I currently have two advisors. Super, super helpful. Um, shout out to them. Uh, one, actually, maybe, uh, yeah, Johnny, who's, um, you know, the current uh, MD at uh, Perfetti. Uh, owner of uh, Mentos and uh, Truly Troops and things like that. And then Kizzy, who's uh, also ex Diageo, a Smirnoff uh, tanker region and Kettle, Kettle Chip, Kettle Crisp. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really uh, amazing people. Tell them to put more crisps in the Kettle Crisps. And I don't believe the nitrogen story. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it, I thought it was a great question, Pippa, that, that having having some knowledgeable mentors, both who understand the drinks industry, I guess. I mean, do they, are they shareholders? Do they make introductions? Yeah, or? they make introductions. They're, they're board advisors. And, you know, really, really. How helpful. did you get them? How did you get them? Um, I met them through kind of like mutual connection, actually. And I think... You sought out some mentors, did Yeah, you? I was actively seeking... I'm always actively seeking out like mentors and um but i i'm very critical of everyone's advice so I, I have to make sure whatever they're giving me makes sense to me and i think i i think that's super important is that what happens when you're an only child you know <laughs> <laughs> my parents are wrong again <laughs> when people kind of say well how do i find these people yeah i genuinely think unfortunately that you have to you know, you have to kind of do a load of research and find people that know them and get introductions because, like, a warm introduction works so much better than just like, oh, like a randomly googling somebody and contacting them. Hugs versus them. a beggar begging you in the street. It's but it's like, just uh, luck if you can find people that yeah. know them and you know do that whole thing. Well, there's, there's, there's the moment you got an introduction. There's social courtesy. You cannot say no to an introduction through someone uh, you know who you know. Yeah, and I mean it's the old thing, isn't it? Don't look for money. Look for advice. You know, is that a maxim you follow? Absolutely. Look for advice. 
Well, I mean, well, I I do look for both, but 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 usually I go for advice first. So yeah, start with advice. Yeah, hundred percent. If you ask for money, I mean, I, actually, a mistake I made. I think people just dismiss you really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's actually really funny you mentioned this because now that I've actively started asking for advice, the people that I'm asking advice for are asking, "Are you fundraising?" Yeah, they've caught on. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, start <laughs> ask whether they're any good at golf. <laughs> go back to golf and say like, "I love golf. Don't you love golf? Let's play golf." <laughs> <laughs> Go hang around the golf clubs. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. Is there something that you think is bullshit in your industry or business in general, and uh, Why? Yeah, I think I think uh, in my industry, I think buyers are always saying they're busy. I mean, I used to work in financial services. I'm all, I'm always busy. Like, there's basically no stop. Ask you guys, professional services as well, right? And I think it's just a bit of a culture shock when I went into food and beverage that it's so common for your suppliers, your customers, just not to reply to you. Even my suppliers, who are I'm their customers, don't really respond to me. I find that shocking. Well, manufacturers are always busy doing physical things and they have to have such a good support team running at the side to be able to respond because it's like only really the person doing it knows what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the service industry, you're sitting at your desk. But it's also, you know, big fish, little fish. And when you're a startup, you're not ordering big enough quantities for them to give a shit. Yeah. 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 No, 100%. I, but I, I, I don't want to, again, this is not like a territorial thing, but like, I do feel like I ask my friends in other countries, not naming any country specifically, but the customer service is there. Ah, uh, you're talking about the lazy bus, the British. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of tea to drink, as you know. We're out there and you're, you're, you're getting us to make tea. We're sitting there drinking it all day going, do you know what? It's not half bad. You know, oh, did you get that email? In this sector, I mean, I was in a different sector before. It was completely different. So, so in this sector particularly, I found it really, in the beginning, it was a bit of a culture shock. But it's a big thing for us as well, training people, yeah. making, you know, juniors, making sure that when they get an email in, they at least recognize that they've received it, <laughs> you know, rather than kind of sit on it for three days Possibly because they haven't got time to go back. I mean, labor costs are very high in this country. So if you run any sort of manufacturer, I mean, there's some amazing manufacturing in this country. It's one of the few things we can do really well is make things like food and drink and world leaders and crisps as much discussed. But so there'll be some excellent manufacturers, but they will have as few staff as possible. You know, it, it, the labor is a huge problem. And it's a huge problem to find now post-Brexit too. So you've also started a business post-Brexit where... We're like, fuck, where are all those wonderful Eastern Europeans that used to do all of this, you know, in a quite corrupt <laughs> yeah, yeah, manner? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, can we slag off buyers for a little bit longer? Because, I mean, I just think it's so funny in a business. If you've got to hire a bar, you've basically got to pick your most negative person because you don't want someone really optimistic working and buying. <laughs> it's like, oh, I said yes to everyone, boss. You know, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, they said they need someone who's a real... And then what's happening is they get the princess effect because people are coming to them every day going, you're wonderful, begging them, giving them stuff, saying, oh, I want to have sex with you, I want to have sex with you. So they develop the worst personality in the world ever. And I, I think they need therapy. Is this your experience? Um, 
I think 80% of the time, yes, unfortunately, yes. And, and I think I think 20% of the time, you got really amazing people. You know, the guys who launched us into Sainsbury's, the guys who launched into other markets, you know, they, they've been amazing, so supportive. Even when I screwed up, they were very kind of like understanding and things like that. Whereas other ones are, you know, I appreciate everyone's busy, you know, so it's just a different kind of mindset, you know, so... Yeah, sorry. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's nice to get one back on them occasionally, isn't it? No, and it's a difficult job, I'm sure. But that's nice to hear it as sort of, there's some good people out there. And I think if you look at people who've built businesses, some department stores, you know, whether it be Harvey Nicks or Liberty and stuff, they go through phases where someone revolutionizes the fashion part of their business. And that's a gifted buyer because a gifted buyer needs a vision. And like, and these days with retail, I don't think people are prepared to deal with shelves of shit anymore yeah. you know less in the food and drink industry because it's well, very it's functional it's kind but... of weird bandwagon thing though isn't it like once the the stone starts rolling like it moss gathers on it oh, like sure. you know once somebody goes oh somehow by osmosis or like you know so in the ether people get the idea that something's good like whether it's it's cold uh cold brew tea or uh, popcorn or you know ra- like unusual things yeah. that haven't been done before but somehow when one person gets the idea and then a second person gets the idea and then suddenly it's like That's all the rage massive. clear off the shelves we're just putting that on it you know but it just needs that like impetus at the start I now understand Kevin a lot better. Now I understand of your history. And Kevin, unlike us, is careful what he yes. says. <laughs> I, I mean, actually, to be fair, one of my points I, I wanted to address about what's bullshit or not is like, like the whole cancel culture. Mm. Like, like, I'm really careful what I say now just because I do not want to get canceled for no, absolutely mm. no reason. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's why we do a podcast. It's like, is it, can we talk free? Because at least when they try and quote you on this, you're like, uh, you listen to the podcast but you you know we don't we we still just say I saw the soundbite fuck you but you know? it's also slightly ridiculous because the people the people that complain about being cancelled are always complaining about being cancelled in the Daily Mail or on the radio and you're like how how cancelled are you if you're like complaining about it on media yeah well it's your last it's your last breath but it is it is an ever it's like they've got their own programme on GB News but they've been quite cancelled Okay, this has been fabulous fun. So now this is our 10-second quickfire round. We're going to ask you a list of questions, get to know you a little better. I mean, we've already got pretty in there, but let's go a bit more, team. Get your rubber gloves on. 10 seconds to answer each question. D, cue the music, and we're off. What was your first job? Door-to-door uh, door sales for a painting company. Painting company? Yeah. Gosh, I, I, that's a weird thing to sell that outside of houses or inside of What sort of painting? And like, oh, sorry, like a, like painting, wall painting. Wall painting, right. right. What, was your, what was your worst job? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I have to say banking. Banking? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because of the people or because of what you did? Uh, I think just uh, both. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Favourite subject at school? I actually really enjoy like physical active with PE, uh, physical education. Ah, oh, yeah. I'm really liking you, Kevin. Which, which bit? What? Like, was there a sport you liked more? Than I, I just press really, ups. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, I really enjoyed like just getting out there and like taking a break from studies. Uh, what's your special skill? I used to be a professional table tennis player for Canada. Wow! I was on the Canadian national team. You could do the thing when you get miles away. And you get further and further and further and further. How long did you play from a young child? Yeah, from as a kid till I was uh, adult. Do you still play now? Uh, I represented, uh, you know, um, like for Kings LSE when I was in uni. Yeah, and then, uh, but then I stopped playing after uni. So, 
Do you play? You don't play recreationally, like I just, yeah, once in a while. You fun, must, yeah. be, you must have a table in your house, and your friends is like, fuck off, Kevin. <laughs> I'm not, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, guys, come on, just, come on, just a quick roll. I'll be taking it. No, fucking do one. I'll spot you five points. Yeah, you better get Bobby foot. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know, but I actually did want to be an entrepreneur. So, yeah. What did your parents want you to be? Honestly, anything professional services, basically, which I did go into for a little bit. So lawyers, accountants, yeah, bankers, lawyers. Well, you said that yeah. you were training, were you? Pardon? Uh, financial services, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the worst. That's where you went wrong. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? I actually don't sing at all, uh, but I love listening to uh, this musician artist called FKJ, French Kiwi Juice. French kiwi. You've got to make a drink called French kiwi juice. So French tea and then kiwi juice. Yeah, yeah. French kiwi juice. Yeah, I know. But your your drink would be, you do the S is for French tea. Oh, yeah. And then you'd add kiwi juice. That's, yeah. that's got to be a drink. Man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and then anyway. you give him a ring. He's moving on because he thinks I'm going to trademark it, which I am. Office dogs. <laughs> Business or bullshit. This one, this one in my rework. I, I, I love it. So... Yeah. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what's your vice? Um, well, in Canada, THC. Good man. Uh, now I know why I like you. <laughs> THC all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Good choice, I think. Not uh, that CBD stuff, that doesn't work. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Recommendations on what to read, watch or listen uh, yeah. to. We should be listening to, what was it, FKJ? <laughs> FKJ, yeah. It's a really like, nice, uh, kind of like relaxing, uh, chill multi-instrumental music type of music try it try it we can play after so I read The Grocer um, as you know obviously it's in about the growth the consumer goods industry in the UK and uh, The Economist um, just a habit and uh, well, I listen to a lot of podcasts business is about bullshit of course of course uh, I actually just listened to one with John Stapleton Oh, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good before coming here, um, I met him actually. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Hungry podcast. Uh, shout out to Dan. I don't actually I haven't met him, but uh, Brand Growth Hero um, by Fiona Fitzpatrick. Really great for consumer goods. Untold. Also more about consumer goods. Yeah. Um, Diary for CEO, of course. Zoe uh, by uh, Dr. Tim Spector. Uh, the, the podcast might be different, but it's by kind of the, the, the company about more health and stuff like that. And um, oh, cool. And how I built this. Good. He had a list. Yeah, it's a good list. It was and, a he, good and he list. gave us a band earlier, which I loved. You slipped that one in. I think that was excellent work. Very good. This has been a real, real fantastic. So uh, tell the world whatever you want, mate. 30 seconds. Uh, off you go. Yeah, absolutely. You can find uh, KT, uh, really just delicious organic fair trade iced teas in uh, supermarkets across the UK, in Sainsbury's, Sushi Counters, MS, uh, W. Smith Airports, uh, Amazon Zap, uh, and Waitrose in the UAE if you're there. Can you order direct online still? Oh, of course, direct online. Okay, buy the case. We need some for our fridge. Can you hook us up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're yeah. happy to pay discounts. No, prices. no, no, I'll send that over. No, 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 no. We like to keep we like to keep nice stuff in the fridge. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, uh, Pippa D. There we have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. We will be back with the quiz, business or bullshit, uh, Bob. Until then, it's ciao. 